Maybe seated and children are invited to children in worship right through that door. Um, you know what we were, you know, just sing. By the way, thanks, band. Thanks, Ben and crew, um, for leading us. What we were just singing there is really a dangerous song, if we're serious about it. And if you saw, you really think about the words. Um, really, it's a great setup for the challenging um, word that we have um, today as we talk about Stephen, who was the first deacon, and as an act of his. Uh, we guess the first sermon, you know, he was um, uh, killed um, because the group didn't like a sermon. So, um, so some people um, have uh, wondered if um, uh, the black eye, if you can see that I have a black eye here, uh, is to try to garner sympathy you know, for Stephen and the stones coming upon him. Um, but it wasn't for that, really. Uh, it was just from playing basketball, and when you play a tall man's game and you're about the side, right at the spot of their elbows, you catch them every once in a while. But we were going for a rebound, and uh, I did get the rebound. So I just want you to, yeah, know, know that. Uh, but uh, um, today, in our, our journey with the, the heroes, the heroes of heaven... You know, not, not, not the way the heroes of the world, but the, the heroes of heaven that, that have a, a different uh, set of rules, different set of guidelines than maybe the heroes of this um, world. Because what we find today with, with Stephen, you know, the first, one of the first deacons, he's that inaugural class of deacons in the, the church. And deacon, one of the words, one of the ways you translate deacon is, uh, is table waiter. You know, it's a servant. And what we, we're going to see today is that, that um, in a very significant way, way the heavenly heroes learn to serve like Jesus and we'll see how Stephen um, does that Um, that that is the way of of leadership in the the kingdom of God as you're following Jesus it means to be a servant Um, Jesus said that the the greatest one among us is the the, the least Um, and the one if if you want to hold on to your life you want to save your life you're going to lose it but if you lose your life then you'll find it Um, even said that if you want to be a a disciple you want to be one that's following after me you want want to be one of my uh, apprentices then it means you have to deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow me and that's what we'll see with, with Stephen um, today uh, the, the, as one of the first deacons. Um, in the situation at hand, it's in Acts chapter 6, the very uh, end of chapter 6 and the end of chapter 7. It's 890 in your pew Bible. If you want to follow along there, you can follow along on the screen. But what, what's happened just before what we're going to read is that um, you know, we're, we're, not five cha- we're not four chapters, three chapters after um, the Pentecost. The, the Holy Spirit's come on the church and there's already an ethnic division. The, the, between the Greek widows and the Hebrew widows. And they're upset because they don't think they're getting fair treatment with one another. And uh, so the uh, elders realize that and they uh, name the deacons to take care of that. And so that's why Stephen, as a deacon, then is a servant to take care of that along with the six others um, that are the first, the inaugural class of deacons in the church. So... We're going to pick up there in uh, verse 8 of chapter 6. And then we'll pick up the tail end of chapter 7 as well. Um, Let's pray. 
Almighty God, again, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for the the truth that it um, shares with us. And we pray your Holy Spirit will take this word and make it real in um, our hearts, in our souls, in our lives. Um, Speak to us. We we need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for the, the works that you've called us to do. So guide us and direct us as we look at your word together. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Acts chapter 6, starting with verse 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stops saying things against the holy place into the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So then Stephen gives his speech, gives a sermon. And the response is then verse 54 of chapter 7. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against Him. Then they dragged Him out of the city and began to stone Him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he died. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's one of those where you sort of say, thanks be to God, sort of. You know, don't say it quite as loud. One of the things that we see as we look at Stephen here is that heavenly heroes, they live in the power of Jesus, not in their own power. I mean, Stephen here in this situation of being a servant, of being a deacon in, in the church, um, which I think I've now just all the current uh, or the, the new deacons are going to be resigning after this. But he is filled with the Spirit of God, and it's made plain. As you look at the the passage, Luke, who wrote this, wants us to know, now Stephen is at work in the ways of God, in the power of God, and the work of God. If you look back at verse 8, 
Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs. Then verse 10, that they were told the people couldn't withstand him, what he was saying, because with wisdom and with the Spirit he would speak. And even at the end of uh, uh, chapter 6, we were told as they looked intently upon him, he had the face of an angel. And then even after the people are enraged at what he said, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gazes into the heavens and sees the very glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. And then after he's been thrown in a hole and stones are ready to be thrown upon him, that's how you did um, stoning in those days. You'd take the person and you'd throw them into a hole and then you'd surround the hole and then the large stones would go down. Even at that point, he's crying out to Jesus and forgiving the very people who are about to drop the stones on his head. That kind of work just doesn't happen because we are able to pull up enough courage and strength. That, that kind of response, that kind of heavenly hero only happens because it's the power of God at work in us. Not our own power. Not our own strength. We're told that he's, he's filled with the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in Him, the gifts of the Spirit, the the spiritual manifestations. He does signs and wonders, and certainly a sign and wonder here is that the fruit of the Spirit is evident even as the stone approaches His head. He's still living in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That only happens because of the work of the Spirit within him. As he's surrounded by murderous hate, he's still in the Spirit in order to bring glory to God, in order to give witness to the good news. What we recognize from this in our own journey, in our own pursuit of following after Jesus, this doesn't happen in our own power. This happens because of the Spirit of God at work in us. That's one of the reasons that we gather to worship. It's one of the reasons we gather to sing. It's one of the reasons that we, we talk, uh, um, that, that we study the Scriptures together. One of the reasons we spend time in prayer is because in those spiritual practices, it, there we are receiving from God. We are engaging with the spiritual realities beyond what we can see, feel, and taste. We, we gather here in order, as the writer of Hebrews said, in, in order to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. It's a work of the Spirit within us to be a hero like Jesus. The other, other thing that we need to notice is that, that, that heavenly heroes, as we walk in the power of the Spirit, following after the ways of Jesus, we will face opposition. There's no guarantee of worldly success. We see that in, in Stephen. We see that in Jesus on the cross. I mean, Stephen and Jesus are both 
fully in the center of God's will. Even when they're on the cross or in a hole being pummeled by rocks. With Stephen, you see a group of, of people then gathered around. They don't like what he's saying because it messes with their lives. I mean, it, it brings a, a, about a host of changes in their lives that, that is going to, to really be a struggle for them. And, and it seems in their mind like it's the very opposite of what God wants, but it's the very thing God wants. And they refuse to listen. That's sort of an interesting picture, isn't it? At the end where it says they had their hands over their ears, you know, and shouting, sort of like a little child. No, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. We have to be careful that we don't do that. Or we're in the same camp as this group that opposes Stephen, who is doing God's work in God's power in God's way. Even when that's the case, there is no guarantee of worldly success or acceptance. It may be like with Stephen or with Jesus, doing God's work in God's way and God's power may lead to suffering in the moment. When we're seeking to, to live like Jesus, as the Spirit is working through us, it will, we'll find that suffering in our own lives at times. There, maybe some of you at school, who you're, you're following after Jesus, and so therefore you're not going to cheat. You know, you're not going to take the shortcuts at, at school, you're, and, and others will. And they might not get caught, and they might make a better grade than you. That can happen. Maybe at work. Maybe at work that you, you stand up in the workplace and say, this is wrong. What, what is happening here is wrong. And it might cost you your job. Or in your own business. It may, may be you're, you're committed to following after Jesus and the power of His Spirit, doing God's work and God's way and God's power. And, and it might mean you don't maximize profits. Maybe in relationships that you lose relationships because you're following after Jesus. I mean, I've had a number of conversations over the last several years with a number of teenagers in the church who shared you know, that they lost relationships because they made it clear that they weren't going to have sex until they got married. So the relationship ended. They made it clear on a couple other occasions in their group of friends that, they, uh, that that activity and, and that the drinking that or smoking that was something that that's not what they're going to do because that's not the way that um, Jesus uh, wants them to live. And that group of friends you know, rejected them. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes a cheater does get caught. Sometimes the, the friends see the, the, the error of their ways and they, they come on board with you, but there's no guarantee. And so there will be times when we, like Stephen, like Jesus, as we're following Jesus, what we do will face opposition. That's another reason why we have community, why we need one another. 
to support and encourage and lift one another up in the challenges, the real-life challenges that we face because we're seeking to follow Jesus. The other thing that we see with Stephen here is as a hero, this is tongue-in-cheek, but he's dying to see Jesus. Like I said earlier, Jesus says, anyone that comes to me has to die. You die to yourself so that you might live in Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 9 that, that Jesus said, to all who would hear, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Forever would save his life, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit anyone if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I mean, Stephen is a literal illustration of Jesus' call. Of, of his, his call to, to follow him, his call to, to total commitment, to die to self and live for Jesus. I mean, this, this is the, the ultimate pursuit of discipleship. This is the, the life of repentance that, that Jesus invites us to, that he challenges us to when he says to repent and follow me. And repent, as you've seen and heard many times, means to change your mind, to change your direction. You're going after the ways of the world or the ways of your own ingenuity or making. And Jesus says, no, repent, turn to me. Follow my dreams, my plans, my way. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a disciple. And that's the challenge that Jesus calls his disciples to. It's really pretty crazy, isn't it? I think Jesus could have used a good marketing rep. Because here's Stephen, one of his first disciples, who's thrown in a hole and has large rocks thrown on him. And then Jesus is saying, all right, so if you're going to follow me, die to self and come to me. That's crazy. Unless it's true. Unless he is the Lord of life. Unless he's the creator of all that is, then you're a fool not to. And I believe he is. And, and, and just look, think about me with, the, with a minute. Just imagine for a moment the, the scene that Luke describes here. What's going on in these events? As, as Stephen is being dragged by this group, this enraged group, this enraged mob. Who's really living? Who's really alive in this scene? Is it the mob that's enraged, filled with hatred and anger, so much so that they grab this one individual and they drag him from where he was speaking and then they take him and they throw him in a hole and they gather filled with rage and grab the biggest stones they can and then they throw him upon him? Are they the ones that are living? Or is it the one who's speaking the truth of God And in the midst of his speaking, he sees the very creator of the universe before him. And he sees the the Lord and Savior of the world standing up next to him. 
Is it the one who, even though he's been thrown in a hole and know there's no way out and the rocks are about to come upon him, who is calling upon his Lord in peace and in tranquility even and then asking him, the Lord of the universe, to forgive the ones that are just let that big rock that's headed for his head go? Who's the one that's really living? It's Stephen. He's the one that truly is alive. You know, it's counterintuitive, this call to discipleship. Counterintuitive. No, if you want to, if you want to live life, you've got to let it go. You've got to deny yourself and follow after Jesus. Now, what's important to recognize here is that we don't... This, this effort, this work, this challenge that then we accept, I mean, it's a journey. It's a, a journey for um, all of our lives. But it has nothing to do with earning our salvation. It has nothing to do with, with earning God's love or God's forgiveness. It has nothing to do with earning reconciliation with God. It is the result of our salvation. It is the result of our reconciliation with God. Because this only happens, this journey of discipleship, of denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and following, only happens because God is alive in us has already cleansed us in Jesus, and His Spirit lives in us. It is the result of our salvation and reconciliation. As we come to the table here in a few moments, we'll have some time of reflection. We'll have some, some time to, to really sit and, and explore and evaluate even our own lives. How are we doing on this challenge? This challenge of Jesus to say, come, deny yourself and follow me. There, there may be ways that you see it happening and, and that you're experiencing, like Stephen did, the, the, the reality of Jesus alive in you. And God is doing things in and through you that you never thought possible. And if that's the case, rejoice and celebrate and give thanks. And, and name it. Don't wallow in self-pity and just fake humility. If God is at work in you and you're seeing it, man, bring that before Him in thanksgiving. Or there, there may be areas of your life where you're keeping Jesus at a safe distance. You know, that, that's, that, that's what I like to do. Keep Jesus at a safe distance. Read the Bible just enough, you know, to sort of check it off. Spend time in, in, in prayer just enough to sort of check it off instead of really letting Jesus into the heart to really lead me into the challenging places that he's calling me to today. Now, maybe he reveals to you in this time some of those places as well. So while we come to the table to receive from Him, 
We, we need His power. This isn't something that you and I can just conjure up in our own capacities and ability. It's receiving the very power of the Spirit to be at work in us and through us. So I uh, invite you to take this time as uh, come to the table. Really reflect, explore in your own but relationships, at work, at school, at home, wherever it might be. Where are you... Where, where is Jesus really empowered in you and you can see it, rejoice? Or where are you keeping Jesus at a safe distance? And let's bring that to him as well.